0: Welcome to the Dallas soccer show presented by the striker, Texas. I'm Dustin nation. And in this episode, we'll be talking about a whole slew of news from the U S men's national team through FC Dallas, all the way to the open cup. We'll be talking about, uh, the preseason games. And we've even got an NTSC update for you at the end of the episode. We're here with me as always, Jonathan Ross. How's it going, Jonathan?
1: It's going pretty good, man. I'm uh, over here spending all my striker, Texas money. Um, you know that now that we're uh, affiliated, we get all that big bucks, right? Right. Dustin? I see.
0: A, I see a nice tall glass of water there.
1: Uh, that's that. That's about all I, I got so far. So far, but no, no. It's great. It's great to join,
0: Dustin, and making his return to the show. Episode two of Nico, the Nico Mendez era. How's it going, Nico?
2: Hey guys, glad to be back. Um, it's good. It's good, especially as things are starting to wind up. It's exciting to talk about soccer again.
0: Yeah, I think the scene is hotting up as they say some places. Um, well, I don't know where, but they, I'm sure they say that somewhere. Uh, so let's let's hop right in. Let's not bury the lead uh the the, yeah. the number one.
1: That there, there was Dustin there was a, there was a huge game this weekend when FC Dallas uh wait, sorry, it wasn't it wasn't that one. That wasn't the huge game. <laughs> uh it, it was the probably the only game of a uh, meaningful game at least that 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 I was watching this weekend which was the under twenty three team taking on Honduras uh, for a, you know, winning you're in, your end, losing you go home.
0: Olympic and, uh, qualifier, yeah,
1: a little Olympic qualification, and uh, unfortunately uh, for the U.S. men's national team, uh, they are going home after a a two one loss. So, not not exactly the 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 best showing. The You know, Honduras is is a good team. So I mean, they've played well. Their their under twenty three team has played well. I think they've uh, made the Olympics four out of the last five times. Um, And in fact, in the last Olympics, they made it to the uh, to the bronze round. So they were they they lost in the bronze round. So they were the fourth uh, fourth finalist. Uh, And uh, you know, got a question for you guys who uh, who was their star player? That Honduras team. Oh, I bet you guys don't even know.
0: This past the last time. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with uh, the one that took him to the fourth. To the I'm going go to go with the, Acosta.
1: Yeah, that's right. So FC Dallas's own <laughs> Brian Acosta was was part of that Honduras team that made a really big run in in the last Olympics. I mean, there's it's it's disappointing, right? The i think when you look at the quality of the men's national team the senior team and see the amount of youth that's on it um and then think about the fact that the US is not making it to a under 23 championship, it's you know we look at a high level like that, it's disappointing. Uh unfortunately, you know, most of the people that are on that uh that men's senior team, you know, even if we were in, in the Olympics would not be playing for the Olympics because it's not an official FIFA sanctioned event. So they don't have to get time off from their clubs. And so in most cases, clubs are not going to let, uh, you know, Sergio Dest or something like that, right. Take, take time off of, uh, their main club, right. And risk injury, uh, by having them play in a, in a, you know, an under 23 tournament, even if, you know, for the players, you know, Olympic gold is kind of a, kind of a big deal.
0: Yeah, I, I saw a tweet. It said that the last time the US, US men's team made the Olympics, Freddie Adu was on the team. Bring back Freddie,
1: right? You know, hey, oh, they, yeah. Hey, if they had actually made the Olympics, I think you're I think they're allowed to have, I think, either two or three uh, above 23 players. So there you go. You got to bring it. They could have brought in that good luck charm, but. um. Instead, it's, you know, Honduras and, and, and Mexico Given Nico smiles, making it on uh, to the, to, to the, to the Olympics from, from an FC Dallas perspective. Uh, I mean, Jesus, I mean, it was, it was a good opportunity for Jesus and Tesman to get some time. Um, Jesus, I think was you know, one of the best players on that, on that U.S. team, um, you know. He had, you know, pl- played well in the in the first uh, match of the the group stage, uh, in this in the last one against Honduras. Um, kind of almost reminded me a little bit of watching some FC Dallas games because the uh, the, the striker was having to come back into the the defensive half of the field sometimes to get the ball. So I think Jesus was trying to get touches, but you know the US never really, I mean, they they, they never really looked uh, threatening, and so I mean. From my perspective, you know this is a, a, a Dallas soccer show podcast. I'm looking at it with my <laughs> Dallas, my Dallas uh, glasses on, and you know it's it's just disappointing for me to see Jesus and and, and Tasman miss out on an opportunity to really you know get get a spotlight right by going to the Olympics and and getting some of that experience that you know, you, know, you can't anywhere else right. It's really really tough to get that level of. Uh, uh, national exposure, international exposure. Uh, you're definitely not going to get that with FC Dallas. So that's probably my biggest disappointment.
0: Yeah. I guess the other DAL, uh, FC Dallas connection, or maybe, maybe it was before FC Dallas. So the other, we'll just say the Dallas connection, um, was Jason Christ. Nico, did you think that he hurt his, uh, coaching stock with that?
2: And hearing that interview, uh, I don't know. It's pretty conflicting because I like, you know, fill us in what, what interview are you talking about? I'm talking about his post-match interview. Um, and understandably, uh, I think a lot of people will kind of react to that really quickly. And I mean, it's also kind of difficult when you're watching TV and then whoever's showing it's also going to play specific clips to kind of prove whatever point they're trying to go for. But, um, I mean, as you guys know, listening to any coach after a post-match interview, especially after a loss and let alone, in a high-stakes tournament like this, they're they're gonna be pretty emotional. A lot of the things they're gonna be saying is gonna run off of emotions. I mean, you see that with Lucci. Lucci's a pretty passionate and intense guy. Very, very evident with uh, Eric Quill. He's um extremely intense, especially after a loss and a draw. I mean, that man wants to win, so um, but what kind of stuck out to me was I just didn't uh really get a good feeling from Jason Christ after it kind of felt he was a little nonchalant. Almost like he was expecting it, but I mean, uh, I don't know what the conversation was inside the locker room, or uh, if he's still having a million things go through his mind. Um, but it, it, from face value, let's from face value. And granted, it's also Twitter, so you know you always got to take an extreme on Twitter. Um, a lot of people were pretty unhappy with that. So that's, face that's value, not how did.
0: Twitter works, is it? <laughs>
2: I try to stay away from uh, soccer Twitter at this point, <laughs> but um, yeah, face value didn't look too hot. And you know, as uh, Jonathan was saying earlier, as the resident Mexico fan, you know, it, it's kind of good for bragging. State rights. your allegiances. <laughs> it's good for bragging rights, but um, I mean, it, it's also disappointing too because whenever the U.S. does well, that it also forces Mexico to step up their game as well, and um, it, it kind of does hurt on the youth stage where uh, the, the U.S. hasn't made the Olympics that consistently like that, while Mexico has, and, you know, we did get a gold medal in 2012. Um, but uh, to be fair, though, you also don't see that with Mexico. We, there, there's a lot of uh, youth success there. So I want to say they also won the Under-17 World Cup as well. Um, but a lot of that hasn't always successfully transitioned to the national team. And I currently think that in this current stage, that's where the U.S. is succeeding a lot. So you have a bunch of FC Dallas players, uh, Serginio Dest, uh, Chris Richards, Weston McKinney, a lot of those guys, um, A, had a lot of hype and success and potential around them as young kids, and now they've made that transition into the national team. Granted, they're still young and things could go awry, but I think that's where the U.S. is doing a really good job in comparison to Mexico, where... We tend to put, I say we as like I'm part of that organization. Uh, the <laughs> Mexico tends to put a lot of hype on their young players. So for an example is Diego Linus, really young guy. Uh, of course, every young player gets dubbed as the Mexican Messi. But um, I think something that uh, Mexican media needs to do is just take it back a little bit. Uh, sometimes the there can be a lot of pressure. On those players, and that's something that the Mexican players have mentioned many times is that what they don't enjoy is the Mexican media always trying to take like an extreme take. Um, But uh, it it it, for for just just in general, um, the Olympics is a really special event, right? Um, I I know that we have a little bias towards soccer because kind of our major tournaments are, are. uh, regional tournaments and the World Cup and then, you know, Olympics kind of happens. But for every other sport, that's like their Super Bowl, their yeah, World Pinnacle Cup. Mm-hmm, yeah. Exactly. And for these young guys, this is kind of like their one and only shot to uh, get something really uh, prestigious at an early age, right? So, um, I mean, just four years ago, or I guess five because COVID, um, when the semifinal match was here at Toyota Stadium in Costa. Uh, that that was a that was a big event, and he talked about how that's a really special opportunity, and how that loss really hurt. So um, it, it is disappointing, um, just kind of how the progression is. And to be fair, it's uh, the, a lot of the the U.S. soccer success has come from the women's side. So uh, it, it it is it if you can't really tr- trumpet yourself as a we successful soccer nation when really only one side of your organization is really. Doing all the heavy lifting.
1: Probably the only other note that you know from the the national team side that yeah I thought was worthy of calling out was on the the, the friendly against Northern Ireland, uh, which I'm sorry, how did how did Mexico do again? Didn't they play the same team right before?
2: Played sorry. Wales. <laughs> oh, sorry, that was
1: Wales. That was Wales. That's right. To be fair, uh, that
2: was Tato Martino's second loss in 23 games. So,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so sorry, I just. Just had to call that out.
2: The yeah. sun's not getting
0: through any of this shade. <laughs>
1: but uh, the, I guess the one the one nice thing to see there was uh, the ex FC Dallas player uh, Reynolds get his first uh, US men's national team cap uh, for for that for that match, which was which was great. And he I mean he looked he showed well um, didn't didn't look nervous. Um, had a created a couple good opportunities using his speed to get around the corner. Um, so you know that that kid's uh, future looks bright
0: absolutely um well, speaking of FC Dallas players and uh, transitioning back home to Toyota Stadium, a uh, little bit of FC Dallas news to take care of here. Uh, the first thing to talk about would be the the schedule got released. the it starts in on April 17th with opening day and goes all throughout the year to November 7th is Decision Day with FC Dallas playing San Jose Earthquake. I feel like we play them on Decision Day a lot. I think so. Does feel, feel like that way.
2: It's either we play them or whatever result involving War. them always knocks us out. It well, so like 2017. Yep. It came yep. down to their last-minute goal that took us away from the last playoff spot.
0: Arg. Anyways, uh, it's lots of lots of, of things to note here. I think the, the number one takeaway from me looking at this, and I'm not going to run through it on on the show. You can go find it on any of on FC Dallas's website. It's already up and up there. Um, but the the number one thing is that there's only two matches that I see against Eastern Conference compo- opponents, and the rest of them are against Western Conference foes. Uh, and then the other thing that I was I was thinking when I saw this is that August looks really rough. There's uh, it's I guess the, the day before August, so July 31st, they play SKC and then they play Seattle and then Austin and uh, SKC again and then Seattle again, and then RSL and um, Austin again. So I feel like that that, that month for me could be, uh, the, the make it or break it month for FC Dallas. What are you, what are you guys thinking about when you see this, this schedule?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that you're gonna be drinking a lot that, that month, Dustin. And I kind of, kind of feel bad for you. Feel bad <laughs> for your liver.
0: Why, why is that?
1: I just, you know, cause I, that's, I agree. That does sound like a, 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 tough string of games, um, for FC Dallas. And it, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, you may be new FC Dallas fans, but sometimes in the summer, <laughs> uh also doesn't summer do so slump. well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully this year is uh, is 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 not the the same case. That the the thing that jumped out to me is you know last year we talked over and over about the compressed schedule because you know the the big pause and then the MLS is back tournament and then you know trying to get as many games in as possible. It seems like the schedule was meant with you know expecting that. You know, the first three, four months, there's still going to be kind of COVID limitations, right? Limited attendance, that kind of stuff. And the entire back half of the schedule is just, I mean, it's, it's, it's as compressed as it was last year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, FC, FC Dallas has 21 midweek games out of 38 games, or sorry, out of what, 34 games. That's, you know, it's a that's lot. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I was, uh, in the the player media availability today uh pull back the curtain a little bit i was i was listening to that while also in a work meeting um it was don't worry it was like a fun fun day meeting they were playing draw or something uh but i was listening to um they had tiago santos on in a portuguese translator and i was so gonna ask him about the uh so gonna ask him who am i like a valley girl you're totally just gonna find out man (laughs) I was, I was ready to ask him about, you know, the schedule compression because it seemed like it really got to him last, last season, uh, especially towards the end. Uh, and right as it got to be my turn, I got called on, on my work meeting and I, I missed it. So nothing to report there for y'all, but
2: Nico, you got thoughts? I do. Um, in terms of a development and progression schedule, I really like it actually. I think it's a challenging enough schedule, um, particularly for the coaching staff and Luchi. And like you were saying, how August is pretty compressed and that towards the end of the season, it gets pretty compressed. Um, and we saw that that was kind of a bit of a struggle for the team last year. Um, understandably, some of it was physical based just because it was a compressed season in general last year. And the guys coming back from COVID, um, y- y- there was no s- sense of stability or rhythm when it came to uh, their fitness. But um, I think it's really good and it's really going to test the coaching staff because um, in terms of their mentality, most of all, uh, how are they going to approach this? Um, Are they going to see, okay, well, this is what we got. Are we going to do a bunch of squad rotation or are we going to take it a one game at a time mentality? And it sounds really cliche. I know it sounds really cliche, but um, I'm a bit of a fan of that one game mentality. Uh, thing and the reason why i say that is because a lot of the successful clubs that's all they focus on they say we don't we don't know what our schedule well they know what their schedule is but they're only focusing on that next game they 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 devote their entire attention uh to that next game um and that's something you saw a lot in 2016 under uh oscar pareja that was something he preached all season long was we're It's the next game mentality. We're only focusing on one game, and when they focus on that one game, um, it it, in a weird way they kind of were an underdog of the team or of the league to be able to go on and win the U.S. Open Cup and Supporter Shield. Um, I mean, on paper you look at that team and you're like, it doesn't look like a supporters uh, shield team, but it it, because of that mentality. uh, they they found a lot of success. I mean, it's kind of true in life, uh, not to turn this into like a Tony Robbins podcast or something all motivational, but it's uh, you just got to take things in chunks, right? Um, and I think that's something that hopefully um, the coaching staff uh, might try to implement this next year is let's not try to get overwhelmed or focus too much of, oh my gosh, we have so many games in so many days, but uh, let's just put all of our attention on this next game. And then once that game is done, we move on to the next one.
0: Nico, how do I buy tickets to your seminar?
2: Yeah, so if uh, do you have books uh, you, to sell, you, you, you got um, books on tape. Are you yeah, so put we got.
1: You can put the link in the show notes.
0: Just
1: <laughs> yeah, they just so that...
2: Uh, smash that subscribe button and um, uh, then join the Patreon. That's right. Also, if for the low low
0: price of three thousand dollars, you can buy up to the next level and That's right. get personal access to Nico. This is not uh, a scam ad, guys. Please don't hit
2: the <laughs> skip button. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that compression at the end of the of the season is something to watch especially you know you're you're right. It's good to have, you know, kind of this the space at the beginning for the teams to kind of really hit a stride, get get in a rhythm, um do some of their like scouting work and some of their their development work that they normally do at the beginning of a season and then really just hit the ground running towards the end. Uh it's a shame that the that it coincides with you know the end of the season where FC Dallas really kind of tends to struggle down the stretch so hopefully that's not something that we see this week this season but time will tell
1: i guess the one positive is FC Dallas does have a home heavy schedule at the end so i think 5 of the last 7 games are home so at least at least they'll have that going for them if they're trying to close out and you know move up the up the ladder for 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 playoff rankings
0: uh, other, do you think it's a blessing or a curse that the last game is in a away that on decision day is in a away day away game because if you're at the stadium you're not thinking about the other games if you're at home you got like all the TV channels going and right are worried about it
1: i no I, I don't know if it makes a difference no <laughs> you, don't,
0: you don't care it's soccer
1: soccer
2: yeah yes, <laughs> Fair I, enough. they still the same way soccer soccer I do think there's kind of like a sentimental value for fans be like oh yeah i want decision day here at home But um, i mean I'd, i think fair. i'd rather
1: be yeah and plus fc dallas did announce that they upgraded their in stadium wi-fi so you could Ooh. use your phone to surf and check the scores while watching the game in person but no thanks thanks dustin for bringing it up that we cannot enjoy that this year you're welcome uh the, the, there is one other one thing that's kind of missing from the schedule i don't know if you guys notice this or not um but uh, FC Dallas has not announced their local TV affiliation for the year. So we know last year they switched from TXA21 to uh, Fox Sports, uh, but they have not announced anything except for the five, the five national ones. You, you see language saying things like, we'll be covered on the FC Dallas network. Right. Which we know includes like their streaming and you know, their Lubbock and their Waco and whatever Tyler. I don't I, I don't know where all the you know Lamisa. Tyler, yeah, Lubbock. On, you know, my life twenty seven or whatever it is. But the yeah, it's it, it's interesting. So my, my guess is that's something that is uh currently still in negotiations for the for the season because it's it's strangely missing.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't actually really Given it much thought, but thanks for uh, giving me something else to worry about as a FC Dallas fan.
1: There you go. Whatever it is, you'll know that you'll be able to get to that FC Dallas stream link as long as you're in Dallas.
2: You just need a VPN. I'm telling you, time to, time to find a quality VPN service. Just,
1: or whatever it is that Nico does. We don't, we do not, we're not affiliated with yeah, Nico. He, we can
2: either. A, yeah. He, he's only, it's only
1: a second show. He doesn't know the rules per se.
2: I rarely see sunlight when I come out of the lab, like a couple meters underground. So, Meters, to listen to me,
0: Wait, man. You're a fan of the Mexican team. You you measure things in meters, and you you do use questionable streaming techniques. I'm I'm not I'm like I'm a little worried about this affiliation.
2: This is uh, not any legal advice. <laughs> there, I covered our bases.
0: We, okay, we, we need the micro machines guy to come read some legal text now.
1: Yep. the the the, the other thing that was got that was announced along with the. Uh, schedule was the rules for uh those of us who are going to be in the stadium which includes me this year i hope to go to as many games as possible i uh, missed a lot of the season last year but uh, for the first uh three months that so through june uh it's going to be limited capacity uh masks required uh the i think that the seating rules are uh you know nobody would be seated in front behind or within two seats to either side of a of a group. So as they, you know, try to space people out, yeah, I would assume that means 25, 30% capacity. Um the other thing, I'm I'm am a season ticket holder. And so you know one of the things that, you know, I know last year uh FC Dallas proactively reached out and was asking season ticket members, hey, do you want to uh do you want to go to games or do you want to postpone and take a credit for for next year? They didn't proactively reach out this time. They basically assigned seats and said, "These are your new seats through June." Uh, I have heard some people have have pushed back and have you know, have, uh, you know, maybe worked with their season ticket rep to, to work something out for those first three months or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, I think the goal of FC Dallas is to get as many of those you know four thousand or whatever it is season ticket holders in in the stadium as possible for the for those first three months. So I think, I mean, th- those were those are the the big things that jumped out uh, at me. I think there was other, you know, kind of kind of small changes. Oh, sorry, the, the one other thing, sorry, because you know I, I have to have to call it out because I harped on it last year. So last year on the East Side, which is uh, where my season tickets are, they had closed the first fifteen rows of thirty one uh, for those beautiful blue tarps. That on television, you couldn't even see what the uh, logo was. Uh, that would say like Advocare on them or something. Uh, those are not going to be there this year, so it's only the first three rows um, on the two sides that are that are closed down. So uh, more seating, better sp- spaced out. So um, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully it'll have a, a reasonable atmosphere for those first few games.
0: Yep, sounds sounds like things are you know uh, there's a plan to to open things back up at least maybe in June. Uh, and speaking of opening things back up, the Open Cup. Is making a return this season.
1: That was, that was awesome.
0: Thank you. Um, no, no, Well, now that that smooth transition has been, has been, uh, not smooth, unsmooth. And now I'm stuck. Anyways,
1: (laughs) appreciate it, Jonathan.
0: It's, 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 it's (laughs) smoothish. So yes, open cup. (laughs) They announced that they're returning this season. They're going to, uh, pretty much eliminate that first round of, of open cup and start with 16 teams uh eight of which are going to be the top eight teams in MLS based on points after like what after the third three or games, fourth I think yeah three yeah. games could be could be a little bit of a, a shuffle going on there figuring out kind of who's who what the tiebreakers are but um what else what else do we know about that?
1: Well, I guess the good thing is that we know now what the qualifications are because I don't think they had announced before they limited it to 16. I don't think they ever announced how the MLS spots were going to work.
0: Yeah, true. Yeah. So the um, in addition to MLS sides, uh, El Paso Locomotive, uh, Louis- Louisville SC, Phoenix Rising, and the Tampa Bay Row- Rowdies will represent the USL Championship. And uh, NISA N- will actually have – their champion in the tournament and that's Detroit city and Greenville triumph from league one, their champion will, will be in the, um, in there. There's two spots they haven't figured out yet. So, um,
1: so, so we're, we're rooting for, rooting for the Denton Diablos to get one of those spots. I don't know if you saw the, their, uh, their, their, their tweet earlier today. I thought mm-hmm. was kind of funny. So they, they're basically already tapping out. They're like, this is crap. Um, cause it's the, they, they were one of the 12 division winner so they would have they were supposed to they were supposed to get in for uh 2020 right but that open cup never happened so they were one of the 12 and so now they're going to draw one of the 12 winners and that person will then
0: go into another draw for two (laughs) slots they're buying (laughs) cowboys season tickets yes you can you pay money to get a spot and the winner gets a spot in the drawing
1: yeah so i mean it's 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 still going to be an interesting tournament to a degree, but yeah, it's you. I mean, half the fun of of Open Cup is watching teams like you know uh, NTX Rayados or something like that, right? Go and and beat a, a USL Championship team or yeah, whatever. Uh, so. We'll, we'll, we will hopefully get Open Cup. Uh, I think they will, they're will. they supposed to announce it in three weeks. I think the date was like April 17th, somewhere around there, around season opening. I think they're going to make the decision on whether or not they're going to do a round of 16 or just call it. So
0: TBD. TBD. Something Stay tuned for your
1: U.S. Open news here. Here, here, here.
0: <laughs> if you hit the subscribe button, That's right. you won't miss an episode. That's right. <laughs> Alrighty. We're going to take a quick quick break. When we return, we'll talk about the FC Dallas preseason. So far, there was a game on Saturday um, against San Antonio. We'll talk about that and um, who knows where that conversation will take us. Stay tuned. And welcome back. We're going to be talking now about FC Dallas's, uh, I guess it was a nil, nil draw. They won in penalties against SAFC it was a, a preseason match. And I mean, that's, that's, I think if you had low expectations because it was a preseason match, your expectations might have been met. Uh, Nico, did you, what did you make of that preseason match, if anything?
2: Yeah, a preseason match is always kind of hard to analyze. Um, you can't really, can't put too much emphasis on them. Because uh, if you do, then, you know, expectations get extremely skewed. Um, yeah, Santiago Mascaro. <laughs> I know, right? Last year. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, you know, you just kind of try to focus on uh, what's, what's the team trying to do? Uh, what's the philosophy? Maybe some players are going to really stand out. Um, and for me, really, um, and the player that a lot of people have had um, uh, high expectations for is Martinez. Um, I thought he did really well at the center back position. Um, And I think that speaks to his professionalism ready to come in. I know Garrett did a really good uh, interview with him earlier talking just about uh, how he was excited to come here to the country. Um, uh, The Third Degree podcast was also mentioning that. It sounds like he was uh, trying to learn some English uh, beforehand. So it shows that he's invested into the club. Um, I think that speaks a lot to his professionalism, but also Matt Hedges. Uh, I think Matt also looked comfortable next to him. and You know, that's kind of what you want from a Bedwin presence uh, on your team. So, yeah, I mean, think Martinez has,
0: has looked comfortable next to many a different so center back. So
2: many center backs on <laughs> that, right? Um, what I do really appreciate about Martinez's game in some kind of the clips that um, that we've seen on Twitter is just his vision and his ability to pass the ball. So, bypass multiple lines um, using Lucci language, eh? Lines. I think we should get like a glossary of Lucci's language. You know, I, I need think. like a
0: little bell sound effect that I can play every time there's a Lucciism.
2: <laughs> Lucci-ism. Ding, 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 I like that. Um, but uh, I think his vision is really good. And that was kind of something you also saw with um, Reto as well. Reto had really good vision. He had a, a desire to pass the ball forward, uh, break through uh, different lines. Um, so Martinez was a really uh, big standout. But uh, what I did really appreciate and something that I kind of do hope the team or I, I would like to see FC Dallas kind of do a bit more is uh, have a lot of ball progression through the middle of the field. Um, personally, I, th- I felt like there are times when FC Dallas would put way too much emphasis on just wing play. Um, it, I mean, it's good though. I mean, Reggie and Mikey had some nice combos. Same thing with uh, Ryan Hollingshead and whoever the left winger was. They uh, had nice combinations there, but it also kind of felt like the midfield was left out of play at times. Um, yeah, they kind of
0: just only use that midfield as a
2: way to get it
0: up and then back to the wings.
2: Back to the wings, yeah, or cycle yeah. back and then rebuild, restart the buildup. Um, but that that to me, it, that wasn't the case in this preseason game. There was kind of a nice balance between uh, wing play, but also th- there a, lot, a lot, uh, bit more emphasis on actually playing through the middle, uh, going up through the middle, and then if the middle's congested, then move out to the wing. But then you also try to find open spaces for players, um, and you also kind of saw a lot of. Uh, uh, through passes through San Antonio's defenses to the wing players and to the interior players uh, to try to create some chances and some more quality chances. But um, if that's kind of something that uh, Lucci and his coaching staff is trying to implement a bit more than I'm definitely a fan of that.
0: Yeah. This is Lucci's third preseason.
2: I did think preseason. Right?
0: Yep. I did last year through all my temporal awareness away. Uh, but, yeah. One of the things we've learned about Lucci in the preseason matches is that he pretty well likes to stick to a script um, where he'll each game and each half has has a thing that they're working on and they 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 will do that every time. It's like they ball like if they're working on going out of the back a specific way, they will try to go out of the back that single that same way the entire half um, and they just keep working on it and drilling it and. Um, maybe, maybe that was the case with your, uh, middle, the playing through the middle.
2: That is extremely true. I remember before everything got shut down, which you was telling us after, um, a training that he really was trying to help, uh, emphasize the ability for his team to switch the play. So playing long balls, not only just across the back line, but if you see like Fafa or Santi, um, going up in a line and Reggie. Or Matt has the ball, then to play that long ball and switch the direction of play, and that was something that throughout the course of the season you saw the team get more and more comfortable. But like you were saying, Dustin, uh, Lucci kind of does have a theme for each of his matches.
1: So, yep. so what do you? So, so, Dustin, what do you think of the the three at the back? Back again, I and mean, we saw we saw this in preseason last year. Saw it a little bit early in the year, but then it we didn't see it too often after that. It seems like Lucci. um, This is the this is the first match I've I've actually got to to watch. Right, the first one that had a stream. But um, it's three in the back in preseason again. Is that?
0: I I think the only thing to take away from that uh, is that is to believe Lucci and the players when they're when they're doing all their preseason interviews about you know what are they working on, what are they looking to do this year. And the answers has always been like versatility. We want to be able to be tactically tactically versatile um, and be able to not, not get shoehorned into one style of play or one specific formation. We want to be able to, to adjust f- per, per opponent. And th- that's one way to do it. So like, I wouldn't read read too much into this see preseason game where they have three at the back. I think we'll see it. I think we'll see a lot of things from this team, this season, especially at the beginning of the season, when they have more time to prepare for their opponents, they can, work on different things and drill them out and essentially they'll, they'll have more time to perfect that, that versatility. And I think you'll see actually even more versatility and tactics from Lucci and even uh, formation uh, this season than we saw last season when they didn't have a whole lot of time in between matches.
1: Yeah. That's a good point. Right. Because we talked in the, in the last uh, segment, right. About that compressed schedule at the end. And remember at the end of last season, we, but we were looking back at how Lucci performed on those, those few games where he actually had a whole week or two to prepare. Um, And it was kind of almost like a night and day difference. So if, you know, if that's the way the season is going to be again, then you're pointing out a right, a right thing, right? That Lucci's got now from now until July, right. To work on those things, because after that, it's just, you know, it's more recovery versus practice, right? Yep. Any other, either one of you guys? Any other like big players stand out out of that? That those that that match?
0: I think the one that's going to get talked about the most is that that horror miss. Like is is uh he he may he may still be getting hate on on Twitter from for that.
2: <laughs> Didn't you see that the Mars rover found like a little ball sphere shaped thing? So I don't know if that's <laughs> I thought that was related. one of the pastas. Ah, yeah. okay. <laughs> I don't know if those two are related,
1: but it, unrelated. It, it almost looked like there was a bit of a turf monster there, and and I, I honestly I think that's just tired legs because it, it was it was it was yes that was an obvious one, but there were some other occasions too where you kind of you saw a player do something that you, in the middle of the season you was, wouldn't seem to do right. Uh, I think it was, uh, um, well, Hardera, I think that had the that also kind of stumbled across the the field when he had like a breakaway. Right. Um, and yeah, you know, I think he almost stumbled in the box. So there's, there was a couple of those kind of things that, that you saw, but you know, it's, it, it's a one-off thing. It is preseason and uh, these guys aren't on sh- in shape yet and they're playing on a, on a field they're not used to. So, um,
0: yeah. I, well, I think, I think another big story, it may not be a player that we saw on the, on the field. Yes. On, on Saturday. I think it might be one that we, suspiciously didn't see on the field. Um that would be Paxton Pomacole. I mean technically we saw him on the f- field, just the side of it, right? <laughs> I I mean, I guess if you want to get into semantics, but that seems more like Nico's area as an engineer.
2: <laughs> Nuclear physicist. They're, they're, oh. they're, there, you Physicists go. Yeah, and engineers are okay. a little bit different, Dustin. Sorry,
1: <laughs> but no, I, I, I agree. I mean, that's the to me, that's the the, the biggest takeaway is, is not what we saw, but in some ways, what we didn't see, right? Which is, uh, you know, Paxton again. Although, you know, it, at least he was on the sideline, was warmed up, and looked like you know he was he was ready and able to go. Um, and I know yeah. that, yeah, I know that there was. Some questions asked of him earlier by uh, by John Arnold, right? About Yeah, one
0: of the the benefits of us being on the striker now is that, you know, if if um, we have an interview that falls through, we we might be able to pick up some audio from somebody who might be writing an article about Paxton Pomichol, Uh and they might send us their their audio for us to play on the show. Um, so, so John was asking pa- Paxton kind of like wh- how you feel, what do you, what do you expect from the preseason? Uh, and here is what he had to say.
3: No, I'm doing well. Uh, it's, uh, what week three preseason. So it's going pretty good so far. Uh, obviously it's, uh, preseason is always hard on the body, uh, and mine for everybody, uh, doing two days pretty much every other day. Um. Since week one, so uh, I think next week it'll it'll calm down a little bit more once we kind of have established that aerobic and uh, muscular base and and a little bit fitter uh, than coming in. But yeah, so far it's so good. Uh, and then obviously we have game tomorrow, game Saturday, and uh, a lot more games coming up. So I'm excited.
0: And this was recorded last Tuesday before the Wednesday preseason match, and um it sounded like he expected to play there in fact he went on to say um it'll go a little bit even further and, and guarantee that he was going to get minutes here's here's some more of that interview
3: i should get uh some minutes tomorrow um actually i know i'm gonna get some minutes tomorrow not should. Mm-hmm. Uh so i'm excited about that um obviously not not being able to go on saturday let's just uh not having enough training volume during the week for them to, to release me for that. Uh, but obviously now I can go play tomorrow and then travel this weekend and, and play more and hopefully keep, keep building on that and getting more minutes and take that into the season.
0: All right. So he expected to play, it seemed like he was told he was going to get some minutes and then didn't get minutes. Are, are we worried? Should we be worried? Do we, how, how are we feeling?
1: Well, well, first of all, I think we we, we know based on experience that when uh, Paxton says he feels good, it doesn't actually mean anything because I, I don't know if I've ever heard Paxton say
0: ding, 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 ding. Yes.
1: <laughs> Paxton say, oh, actually, man, oh, I feel like crap, right? Um, I mean, he might tell you six months later that, oh, yeah, he was really fighting something then, but he feels 100% now, right? Um, and then, then he can be out for six months, right? Not, not to say that that's what's happening here, but... Um, not surprised Pax and saying he's feeling good. Um, that was an interesting statement that, you know, he was, yeah, you know, he didn't use the word guarantee, but yeah, he was, he, he was definitely assuming he was going to get minutes in that, that, that Saturday match. And it, it seemed like that was the intent, right. Um, was to, to get him some minutes, but for whatever reason, Lucci made that decision not to, right. Based on, I don't know, maybe something he saw on the field, the, the, yeah, the state of the game, whatever.
0: Yeah, didn't want to risk it. Didn't want to. Who knows, Nico? Are, are you? Are you? How are you feeling about Paxton?
3: Um, I'm not
2: entirely worried. I mean, it, it's a difficult injury to come back from, and you know, unexpected consequences uh, can arise. But I think kind of where a lot of the concern coming from the fan base. Um, and around the club is just that you know th- there was a lot of excitement when Paxton was first signed, right? And then him wearing the the uh, number nineteen jersey and kind of starting a tradition there for homegrown's. Um, th- there's a lot of kind of weight uh, per se on on. Well, I wouldn't necessarily want to say there's weight or pressure on Paxton, but it's kind of like this expectation, I guess, That kind of an un- unspoken expectation where uh, everyone just wants to see him be what he can be um, and he's shown a yeah. glimpse of that ex- uh, every time he stepped out on the field um, I know Andy Swift likes to play a little clip where he was playing um, I want to say with some uh, FIFA legends over there in Europe um, I'm not sure if I got the details right but it, it, it kind of just shows how how talented and um, the potential that Paxton has right um, and, and rightly so people uh, people should be excited to expect that um, but you know, it, it just—it's just unfortunate that so kind of early on in his career, he's had these setbacks. Um, and I—I I think what uh, nearly every player would like is some sort of consistency, right? Um, to be able to build upon. So it always kind of seems like whenever there's um, Paxton starting to get that stability or consistency, unfortunately, something comes up and it—it—it it, 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 it sets it back a little bit. But um, not entirely too worried. But um, I, I think maybe kind of dial back the excitement or expectation for Paxton to just always be ready to go 100%. Um, and to be fair, the, the, the club physios do a really good job of monitoring the players. Um, I wrote an article last year kind of talking about how uh, what the club is doing about um, uh, just trying to work through the pandemic. So the, the physios and the club really knows where the players are uh, but it, it it's a it's a progress it, you gotta take things step by step
0: absolutely that's your one free plug just kidding you can plug away that's part of the perks
2: yeah, i I just roam around
0: yeah you you're as versatile as lucci likes his players to be
2: go you know, i mean if if lucci needs some sort of versatility in podcasting or writing i'm I'm ready lucci no I'm pretty sure Eric will. <laughs> ooh north texas talk i'll save that for later oh
0: yes north texas talk well that that leads us into our next break on the other side we're going to wrap wrap things up we got a little bit of of an ode to a previous player uh and a north texas soccer update with your versatile podcaster writer physicists nuclear guy nuclear guy nico mendez uh we'll see you on the other side
1: Hey, welcome back from break. Uh, on this side of the break, before we get into the NTSC update with Nico, I wanted to, to take a step back. Um, last week, we talked a bit about some of the new people that have come in, some of the new strikers, um, and some of the people leaving. Uh, but, you know, I I couldn't go on without, and, and maybe Dustin can work in some music in the background, some, some sad music to play along with me. But, uh, you know... <laughs> That didn't work. No, no, that was it's the only uh, music I had. Yeah, we we, we need to get uh, you know an official uh, you know producer sound guy that can just join here and just randomly throw uh, you know drops in. That, that's what we need, Dustin. But while we're waiting, we'll uh, take a minute to think about Mikey B, Mr. Barrios, our favorite uh, the L- little Colombian who is no longer uh, with the club. He's he's. Moved on to colder pastures in uh, Colorado. I, I I would have to say you know I am a, I was a big big Michael Barrios fan. Uh, I was one of my one of my favorite players uh, and so I was yeah, was one of those people who was was sad to go and before we move on, you know I wanted to to, to remember the fact that you know he was actually a pretty damn good player. I know people gave him a, a hard time for kind of missing a step a bit last year. Um, But, you know, when we look at it from an FC Dallas perspective, um, he's, you know, one of the one of the leaders from uh, uh, from both goals and assists, kind of combined goals and assists. I can't remember where he ended up, I think, third or fourth um, on the on the chart for uh, for FC Dallas. Um, He, you know, longest second longest consecutive uh, start streak for the entire league. Um, which is pr- pretty pretty amazing, especially for a guy that relied on physicality. relied, I'm talking like he's dead. But that 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 you know is a very, a very uh very physical player. Um and you know, he led the the league twice in assists too as an FC Dallas player in 2017 and 2019. So he was a pretty damn good player when you especially when you consider uh when he was brought in, he was kind of brought in to play alongside, you know, Castillo and, and Diaz and you know had over the last couple of seasons, especially last season, as the FC Dallas uh offense was sputtering, um, it became more and more reliant on on Barrios. And I think that, that, you know that's not what that's not what Mikey was built for, right? And so I think what we saw last year was was a bit of a downturn. I think some of that was um, the, the team not having ideas. I think, you know, a lot of times we would see just going over the top t- t- to Barrios. But I also think that uh, one of the things that, you, that people don't take into consideration when think about kind of his overall performance was just the team around him. So if you look at kind of expected goals and expected assists last year, um, I think he would have, you know, in a normal 34-game season, would have been around 10 goals, 10 assists. Um, But unfortunately, you know, a lot of those uh, th- th- those crossing balls or passes into the box or whatever ended up you know not being finished and I don't think that's you know a lot of that I think had to do more with the team around him um and the performances around him than just just barrio so I have a feeling uh you know he's gonna be he's coming uh, what week one. Um, a little bit worried that he's gonna pull up He Maxie. just couldn't stay away. I know. I'm worried he's gonna play a pull a Maxi or Rudy, right? He's only like Maxi last year got only got five goals, but two of those were against FC Dallas in one game, right? So uh, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. I I am a little bit worried that that's what uh, what we're gonna see from uh, from 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 Mikey when he comes uh, for that home opener.
0: Michael David Barrios Puerta, we sing a song for thee. Uh no I think you you hit on all the right
1: <laughs> sorry sorry go ahead Uh
0: no we like I think you hit on all the right points um you know I, the thing that that sticks out to me and I know I came late to the FC Dallas party and so he was already here and established whenever I showed up as a fan um and um you know he was always just that fast guy and and when you're you're right that when he was part of an overall scheme he did, he did really well and, and contributed a lot. But whenever he was, you know, the, when he he was the focus of the offense, it's, it didn't necessarily always click right. And because he kind of had that one trick pony of, I'm just going to get, go fast. And well, then people start adjusting their tactics to positioning their, their defense differently. If they know that that's all the, the only way we're going to just going to hoof it to Barrio. So, and you know, um, it's it's like he could never in a season get um his goal scoring or his 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 service to his teammates like s- sorted out. It was one or the other. Either he was getting lots of goals and a couple assists, or lots of assists and just a couple goals. And if I think uh you know it, it might have been different if he would have even things out a little bit and and and. Uh, been able to put it all together in, in a, in a season, but like, I think you're right. Uh, he will be missed. I do, I do think that it was the right time to move on from him. Uh, and especially given the, the information from Andre's the last yeah. week, which you can find in your podcast app by clicking, uh, see previously played episodes cause you just listened to it. Uh, but you can go back and listen and hearing him talk about how Barrios kind of had his contract coming up. And um, it seemed like a, a an ill fated contract situation, so they, they they moved on. And I think it was probably about the right time. Now
1: I'd agree. I mean, he was, he's uh, about to be thirty, I think. So I think, I think he's thirty in April. Uh, you know, it, a, a player that is reliant on speed. Uh, we know in you know last year twenty twenty he was paid about five hundred k. So assuming in the last year of the contract, it would have accelerated even a little bit more. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was, it was a business decision, and I kind of walked us through this that last week. And so, uh, I think we all would have been happy to have Mikey on, you know, the, as a, as a super sub, um, but, uh, you know, didn't, didn't work out that way. So, uh, so Michael Barrios is now a Colorado rapid and instead we have, you know, a couple of, uh, un, unproven wingers and, uh, and some maybe.
0: Sp- a guy that looks, you know, looks like he he's trying to fill that Michael Barrios yep. role and and shoe those shoes. We'll we'll see how that you turns out see. though. But I'm serious. I'm I'm. I guess you know I'd be remiss if I didn't try to make some sort of altitude height joke about him being in uh, in Denver now and he's finally taller than us or something. I don't know. I I, I haven't really thought it through. I yeah, should have probably just let it sit.
1: You, you should have. It could have been something like you know and mikey's never knew what it would be like to be a mile high or whatever right you know yeah there you go. It, would
0: been, it would have been great we should have given some some forethought
1: yeah it's a good thing you have that edit button dustin thank you
2: you just need to plug uh sad fcd's fans pin tweet for a long time where it was oh, yes. to uh, ft fo- like, zero and it's like he's way taller than that
1: <laughs> come on guys all uh, right sorry i i referred to him now as mr sad so mr sad uh, mr sad
0: <laughs> all righty uh well let's move on from Michael Barrios and let's let's wrap things up here with with a North Texas Soccer Club update with ta-da, 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 Nico Mendez.
2: Yeah, so uh year three for North Texas Soccer Club. Um uh returning face is Eric Quill. Thank goodness. Um <laughs> uh, I think Coach Quill I'm
0: sensing a bit of a man
2: crush here. I it's just such an intense man. I mean I'm <laughs> Uh, might might uh alienate myself but sometimes that like he has a nice um, drip game as Armon would say. Man has a oh. good drip game, especially in finals. So but uh okay. <laughs> quill still at the uh at the uh, realms I think is how the saying goes. Um at the helm. At the helm. Interesting. Yeah. Um and not too surprisingly there's kind of a, a good amount of turnover uh, so I'm just to quickly run in. We've got a uh, Hope Avayevu, who those who have been familiar with the club, um, you will know that Hope has actually kind of been around the club for I want to say uh, one or two seasons, uh, just kind of participating in FC Dallas practices and um, North Texas practices. So uh, nice to finally have him uh, down on a contract with North Texas. Uh, We have Kazu, who is a Japanese-Brazilian defender coming from Cortiva FC. He's on a loan. Then we have Thibaut Jacquel. Pardon uh, FCD French for butchering that uh, since he is a French player. And he is the famous trialist number one that we've been hearing a lot. So um, another forward Mm. coming in right there. (laughs) We have Bernard uh, Camungo from Abilene High School. Uh, That was from a tryout. Uh, and also uh, from the tryout is Mikey Maldonado, a defender who pre- previously played at San Antonio Surf Soccer Club. Uh, Sorry,
1: which, which one of those is the famous trialist number one?
2: Trialist number one is going to be Thibaut Jacquel.
1: There you go. He's the he's <laughs> the famous one,
2: man. <laughs> I, and, he probably will unfortunately be referred to as trialist number one <laughs> his entire time here.
0: <laughs> the other two were, were uh, open we're from uh, the
2: open tryouts, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, I if you want, I can definitely give my thoughts on the tryout. But uh, to continue on the transfers coming in, we have Juan Parra from Independiente Medellin, which is the same club as we got Andres Pricaurte. So also on a lone player uh, defender. Then we have Colin Shuttler, who those familiar uh, will know it's their FC Dallas' the second-round draft pick uh, goalkeeper. So we actually have someone to stick in between the posts since... We did not have a goalkeeper uh, up until today. And then, <laughs> lastly, um, the one that I'm excited for, partially because as a Mexico fan, uh, we have Alejandro uh, Vignegra, who's coming from Cruzeiro Esporte Club from Portugal. So he's a Portuguese Mexican player who has spent some time playing with the Brazilian uh, youth team and recently the Mexican youth team in a Ford. And um, I think that's a player that both uh, the club the coaching staff are going to be really excited about and then to let's see what, post- I'm,
0: what i'm excited about nico i'm excited that somebody on this podcast can actually pronounce the spanish names <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's just a, a you know a personal personal happy note for me
2: well i mean i it, it, just to you know let's keep it going because we on on the players that uh have left we got david rodriguez who went to um, atlético Atleti- san luis on alone um those who are familiar with uh, Liga Mekis will also know that Atletico San Luis um, has a kind of a story tell in Liga Mekis, but they also have a partnership with um, Atletico Madrid. So not saying that David could be going to Atletico Madrid, but there is that connection. Uh, then you also have his brother, um, Arturo Rodriguez, who went to Phoenix Rising. So he actually left the club while David is out on loan uh carlos aviles went to south georgia tormenta fc so a usl league one rival uh nikki hernandez as we all know um fc dallas kind of swooped him in from smu uh said hey let's see what you can do with north texas now fc dallas draft pick who has uh as of last week i believe uh signed a contract with uh fc dallas so uh playing uh, a, a good success story um Right there, Ronaldo Damas. Uh, a lot of fans will probably be sad to hear that he has left. But um yeah. <laughs> Ronaldo Damas, Mister Damas, um, he was the USL League One scorer in that first season. So yeah, he was
1: uh, out last season. He wasn't here last year either, was he?
2: French he was here last year, but I think he had he? some uh, injury difficulties. Okay. So I'm not too sure. I don't know too much about the kind of future prospects. But um, if you kind of ask me, I would always felt like Ronaldo was a good USL league one player or USL championship player, which kind of just doesn't fit the model of North Texas. The The goal right. is to move players onto the first team, which Nikki Hernandez uh, and Ricardo Pepe are great examples of. Uh, Luis Zamudio was another Mexican goalkeeper that the club had brought in last year. Also no longer uh, with the club. Breck Evans, kind of a surprise for some. Uh also has left the club. But he's Friend now of the with show,
1: Breck Evans.
2: Friend of the show, exactly. Right. Um, also Austin resident as well for a while. Uh, has moved on to Memphis F- FC for USL Championship. Uh, Philip Ponder uh, had some FC Dallas homegrown experience. Also has left the club. Juan Manuel Alvarez was the guy that a lot of people kind of had some hope for. He's kind of like a defensive midfielder, defender, midfielder type of deal. Um kind of suffered some injury spells and I guess didn't really meet up to the expectations that a lot of people had on him. So he was a lone player from Monterrey. Uh, he's now back with Monterrey. And then also Pedro Alves, who was dubbed uh, Cuadrado due to his hairstyle, uh, has also left <laughs> the club. Uh, definitely did not meet expectations there.
0: That's a long list. It, it is a, it's a very year. long. Yeah it's,
2: it's, yeah, a, it's a, yeah, it's a lot yeah. of turnover, but it's kind of to be expected with North Texas per se
0: yeah it took me by surprise last year and luckily this year i I was braced for it and ready ready for it
1: (laughs) so so with that long list of of names and then you know things other things going on with the club i know they've they've had a few preseason games is there anything that kind of you're looking forward to that you're kind of excited about this year from a north texas perspective
2: uh from a north texas perspective i'm uh first and foremost, the club, Eric Quill, and the players are all gonna say, Yeah, we're we're ready to get a championship again. Um and understandably they, they're tied to FC Dallas. They have the ability to draw on FC Dallas players and the Academy. Last year became a little bit difficult because of the pandemic. But um I think this year, if even if the the transitioning up and down between the Academy and FC Dallas still becomes difficult. I think what the club itself wants to prove, not only to themselves, but to the rest of the league, is that they are self-sufficient. That they can be an extremely competitive club, always going for one or two, um, just using the players on their own roster. Uh, you could argue that in 2019, they had a lot of success, success because they played a bunch of FC Dallas players down. Um, but it would prove beneficial for the likes of Brandon Sarvenia, uh Brian Reynolds, Johnny Nelson, Callum Montgomery, Um, But I think that's something that the club themselves want to prove uh, and Eric Quill will really try to emphasize is we want to be a self-sufficient club when we need to be Um, because that kind of, it was unfortunate. There was a lot of draws. It's not necessarily that last year in North Texas was just terrible, um, but it did take them a while to get going and to be expected with these younger players. But that's part of the goal of this club and I think something that Eric Quill does a really good job in, um, hampering down on these players is that, Hey, this is, this is your, you're a professional and you got to treat yourself, take care of yourself like a professional. And these are the standards that being a professional soccer player requires. Um, uh, so they, they did have a couple friendlies. They did play San Antonio FC. That one was a three, one loss. Um, and they recently just finished playing FC Tulsa twice, uh, first with a three zero win where trialist number one scored. And then the and, uh, then they also played North Te- uh, FC Tulsa again to a 1-0 win where T- Charles number one, which Thibaut Jacquel um, scored those goals as well. Yeah, that's kind of a quick uh, rundown for North Texas. It's a little when bit does, difficult. Uh,
1: when, does, when does North Texas open? So day.
2: their season... Uh, I think it's like a
1: week after FC Dallas, right?
2: I want to say it's towards the end of April. Uh, I want to say it's also a home opener, which Global Life Stadium—that's a really impressive stadium, uh, especially how they turned it into a soccer field. So yeah, definitely, definitely. You should
1: go. I didn't get a chance to go last year, but for sure, it's almost this it,
2: year. Definitely going to watch a North Texas game is something that a lot of people should do. Yeah, it it kind of helped season ticket members uh, 2019 that it was at Toyota Stadium, but that is a team that you definitely should go out and watch. A uh, super exciting team. The players also get really involved in it. Um, so uh, this is not. I'm not saying that FC Dallas players don't appreciate the fans, but um, there is kind of a bit more engagement with uh, North Texas uh, fans, partially because their parents and family members are there. So you also get to meet some of their family members as well. But um, it, it's a super great experience. Super great club. You get to say, yeah, I, I saw Nicky Hernandez first, or I saw Eddie Munjoma really break out before. He became the uh, next great right back.
0: <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much.
1: You're welcome so much.
0: Oh, uh, you're if you're listening to the show, you can make sure you don't miss another one, not a single one. You just click that subscribe button in your podcast app of choice, it's 100% free, and uh, you can follow us on Twitter as at Dallas Soccer Show find us online at, at Show.com or now the, the strikertexas.com. John R. Arnold's Paxton article can be found at the strikertexas.com and we've got a few more pack, uh, action packed preseason episodes for you before the season kicks off. So stay tuned, uh, be ready every every Tuesday for us to be in your inbox in your in your podcast app and thanks so much for listening.
2: Oh oh